0: to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm Kelly Sarlow. And I'm Karen. And today, what are we talking about? Dreams? Okay, let's do it. Um, okay. What a brutal night. Okay. Maybe we should preface this by saying that we just woke up <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about dreams because of the ridiculous stress we, uh, we endure each night. Yeah.
1: And I think lots of people do. Mm-hmm. Lots of nightmares. Um, but, and also just dreams that are, yeah, I guess you wouldn't really call a nightmare, but would upset you or that you just can't place, you can't figure things out.
0: Well, and also the the kind that, uh, when you wake up, you can't feel, or you feel like you can't shake. Mm-hmm. Cause I know I like, felt so off the whole day. If I've been angry in a dream at someone, um, not figuring out why I felt angry with them. I, like during the day and going oh yeah it was the dream this isn't real life this is
1: okay why don't we well, We can do a whole bunch on all kinds of different sure. types of dreams and then um that you and i think of just as we're going through this this uh podcast mm-hmm. and then as people know now if they're listening to them they can email us um at
0: oh uh info at dot com. i
1: have to remember that and, uh, and then we can answer more. So if we don't cover it today, we could have more shows mm-hmm. about it as mm-hmm. we kind of go on. Um, for me, the whole thing about dreams has been my whole life, as you know, because you've heard me talk about it so many times, um, about being a little girl and having nightmares all the time, every night. Well, and, multiple times a night. and Yeah, multiple. And my mom waking me up um, and trying to teach me how to wake myself up. Or be able to be in the dream and recognize that I'm in a dream. Mm-hmm. And couldn't I have better control and change the dream?
0: Which I think is really neat. Because if anyone isn't really feeling, i say, in touch with um, with the dream world on a regular basis, mm-hmm. they've at least seen Inception. or, or Yeah. Because you're talking about having clues to knowing that you're in a different reality, right? And they had those little markers um, that were weighted so they knew... You know, if the top stopped spinning, they knew they were, they were okay that they were on earth, mm-hmm. um, not in another state. So we're just trying to figure out what our markers are. Mm-hmm. And I think most people do try and figure that out at some point. Well, I think it's neat too,
1: because um, you you might be able to apply that to, uh, am I living in somebody else's reality instead of my own?
0: Not just in a dream. <laughs> but yeah, I, That we- might be taking it a little too far for... Uh, 9 a.m. <laughs> For us, you mean right now? Oh, well, okay. and, and an entirely different topic too, right? Because that has a lot more to do with control. Yes, but oh, the,
1: I think it's cool though, because you're you're just. I'm not
0: saying it's not cool. Okay, I'm just saying that if we're talking about dreams, okay, let's that, go with dreams. That's Our- a different tangent, which you're excellent at. <laughs> True. <laughs> okay, so
1: um, how about you start by talking about. How we, um, when we woke up the other day and when I came out of my bedroom, I said to you, as I do every single morning, uh, how, how did you sleep last night? Mm-hmm. So, first of all, just from the very time we were that Kelly was small, um, I would wake up every morning and ask her how her dreams were. I think I did to Andrew too, but you know, I should ask him about that. Um, and I, we call it debriefing, right? Mm hmm of being able to check in and see how the person slept, um, how they feel in the morning. Uh, cause it can set a mood for not being able to function or get moving or moods during the day.
0: Yeah. And I, and I've definitely noticed either when you haven't been around or we, we might've forgotten to do those things cause we jump right into the day. Um, that I feel more introverted that day. I feel like mm-hmm. I've kind of gone within myself because I'm constantly reflecting on the dream instead of reflecting shaking it and continuing. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And that and that becomes a harder day because the the introvert in me is just like I don't want anyone else to know what's going on. I don't want anyone else to have to deal with this or I don't want anyone's two cents. Right? Yeah. Cuz you just want to figure it out for yourself, not from an egotistical standpoint, but just to not have someone else to put their baggage on you. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Because everyone will interpret a, de- a dream differently. Um, and they don't always know your full story.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they make it theirs. <laughs> and that, so that, that's what I mean. Yeah. So your dream experience slash life experience becomes skewed
0: by their own. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So what was the question?
1: Well, when we got up, yeah, like a couple oh, of days yes. ago, I think it was Saturday or Friday
0: morning. My dream. And yeah, go. Okay. You're going to have to jump into if I. If yeah. I've, well, cause um, they link. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying if I forget, um, okay. So I had gone into a dream where, um, at some point my mom and I were in a car together. And so you and I, um, we're traveling in a car. I was in the driver's seat and I was going down all these roads, but the roads kept changing. They kept kind of manipulating themselves. And I felt so unsafe. I felt like I was completely out of control. The key, key thing there I know, um, I know now, Where I was trying to make a left hand turn, which is difficult in some intersections anyway, uh, if you don't get the advanced. But every time I would come up to this intersection, the road ahead would start changing. I would see cars, or I couldn't see cars because it would become a hill. Um, And so I didn't want to risk it because I had you in the passenger seat with me. I didn't want to hurt you. So eventually I somehow made this left hand turn because most people know that you. Don't always remember the details of the dreams, but you know you got somewhere eventually, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I made the left-hand turn, and all of a sudden I was driving us off a cliff. And I, in the dream, I hit absolute panic um, to the point where I started shutting down in the dream. Mm. And I remember turning to you at one point and saying, very like almost in like um Like if I had a tranquilizer dart injected because I, my voice was kind of trailing off and I was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm out of control. I can't do this. I'm just going to go to sleep. And my, my eyes started shutting and I was literally aware of the fact that I was falling asleep at the wheel because I couldn't handle the stress of driving. And I remember just seeing your face as I closed my eyes. Um, now did I wake up at that point? No, I woke up in another dream. So I thought I had woken up. That's what it was. And I woke up in the back seat of this vehicle and I looked up and you're sitting in the driver's seat now and you're looking back at me all perky like, hey, Kel, how are you? How'd you sleep? Which is funny because you ask me that, as we know, every morning when I wake up. And I was completely confused at the fact that you and I weren't dead because, you know, I had, compl- I thought that we woke up, you know, elsewhere. Um, and there you were driving the vehicle, all confident and fine, which to me is funny because in life when things hit the fan, you are that person for me who kind of just is able not to take control but to i'll say take the wheel in a lot of a lot of senses you're that that safe person for me um but the the idea of waking up i and i'm I'm putting you know quotations around that in another dream that continued another one um or the previous one where i'm now safe things have kind of resolved themselves but it wasn't my it wasn't me that had to do it i could surrender and it was falling into that sleep which again is around quotations because it was sleep in another reality um where i could again be at complete surrender and and allow things to work out the way they were supposed to now the really cool part if that wasn't cool enough um is where your story comes in
1: well i i dreamt that you and i were in a car driving and that I was driving the car, and that you, um, that I had to have control, and that, oh, wait, that I, what was it? I'm trying to remember every little bit of it. We were in Ottawa. We were in a different city, but everything in North Bay was in Ottawa. And I wanted to go someplace, and it was dark out. And I didn't, I wasn't, didn't know if I was capable of driving in the dark or not. But I got into the car and was completely confident. Um, And you were in the passenger seat and I was doing the driving.
0: So I woke up in your dream. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I mean, I hated it at the time. Yeah. Because it was beyond stressful, but very, very cool that in one, well, you know, we share a wall. Well, Um, yeah, but I think it's also cool like that
1: it was North Bay, but it was also Ottawa mm -hmm. and that we could take all of the different things that exist in North Bay, the different buildings, and put them inside of Ottawa in our dream. And that Ottawa to you was home.
0: Yeah, and it very much is.
1: um, Because where you went to university and how much you love the city of Ottawa and where North Bay is your home where you grew up. Mm. And it is kind of our place to go when we're stressed or we want a break Mm. or we want a little holiday or something. Or
0: that home away from home. Yeah. 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 I, no, I th- I still think the coolest part is waking up in your dream. <laughs> yeah, I do
1: too. Yeah, I think that was, that was really neat. Um, and the trust, mm-hmm. the trust that goes back and forth in the in the other realities when we're dreaming.
0: You know, okay. Go, and go ahead. I, I want to interject there because you kind of gave me what I'll call a trigger word when you said the trust, because I was. So so overwhelmed with stress, like I said, I started shutting down mentally and then physically, um, saying that I couldn't handle anything. And I remembered waking up in that back seat, looking at you, waiting for you to be mad, waiting for you to be upset with me, mm. um, because I I, th- I thought we had I'd killed us, um, and just the love and the excitement that you looked back, like oh she's awake, oh how are you. Mm. And it was so, it was so you, and and I know that anyone who knows you is going to be nodding their head, smiling, going, yep, that's Karen. Um, just the calm, the, the sure, the sureness that you, you create, not just for yourself, I think in this kind of new life that you've stepped into around, you know, your late forties, but the sureness that I know that you've always given Andrew and I, mm. it just, and the consistency of that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that that I know I felt the anticipation of being, you know, having someone angry with me, but as as fast as I felt that it, it was gone, because it's like, oh, yeah, it's it's mom. Hmm. And and all of what that means for me. I know not everyone will relate to that with their own mom, um, but perhaps they'll relate to it with someone in their life. I hope so. Mm-hmm. So what else about dreams? Um... I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be a struggle this morning. Maybe. Well, I like I always like talking about um, Oh, I know. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. You
1: said you like talking about something and then I'll go after you.
0: No, I have a better memory. You oh. go
1: ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um I was going to talk about a, a particular dream. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I wanted to tell the, I'll say the story, but it's it's my dream. Um I'd had nightmares all as you've all heard now my whole life, and in my late forties um went to bed one night and asked i'll say god slash spirit world, whatever I call that existence, my soul um all the same thing um if I could finish with the nightmares and in particular the uh, specifically speaking nightmares about um, I'll say dead people chasing me and um, getting out of caskets. And if you've just tuned in and you don't know our shows, then I'll just preface that by saying that I grew up with parents that owned a funeral home and that. um, It was actually a reality for you. That was a reality. the, The caskets and seeing dead people every day in them. So anyway, so a lot of my nightmares were these people coming out of the caskets and chasing me every night. And I'm always running in the dreams. I'm always running away from them. It doesn't dawn on me to do anything else. So, um, which is interesting because I think about, you know, life, how we just do the same thing over and over again. It doesn't dawn on us to try something different when something isn't working. But anyway, um, so in the, I went to bed that night and I asked for some resolution, some way to problem solve uh, by not doing the same thing. So I went to sleep and sure enough in my dream, I am dreaming that I'm at the funeral home and I'm at the back of the funeral home and there's a long hall. So the back of the funeral home is the office area and at night I have to close the funeral home in reality. I have to close the funeral home, turn off all the lights, blow out the candles near the casket, lock the door, go to the back of the funeral home,
0: lock it up and wait for my dad. Those candles that you need to blow out are sitting next to the dead body in the casket. Yes. I'm just, I'm, I'm saying that because I know it's so run of the mill for you. Oh. But other people are going to be like, Ooh, their butts just clenched.
1: <laughs> oh, right. In a Catholic funeral home, in the visitation room, the casket is at uh, like one far end of the room, the opposite end of the door, by the way. So people can come in and fill the room and visit and meet the family. And the, there's a kneeler. And there's two candles, standing candles, right beside the casket. And most caskets are open, though not all. Um, but particularly when I was a kid, most caskets were open unless there was a severe injury to the body. Okay. So in the dream... Um,
0: <clears throat> I And sorry, I'm interrupting because... <laughs> because you need a break to clear your throat. Excuse me. Um, but because that alone is so many people's nightmare. Oh, you you, mean in reality? (laughs) Yes. And that was just every day for you and multiple times a day, right? Because I mean, how many wakes did you do or did the funeral home host each, each and every day?
1: One to four. Okay. One to four. So that would mean going in at night when I'm 13, 14 years old, all the way through high school. I started working there when I was 12, that I would have to go up by myself at night because I worked in the evenings from, from four until 10 or four till 11, because wakes were quite late at mm-hmm. that point. And uh, they went till 10 o'clock and then we had to, I had to clean up the place and my dad would come pick me up when I was done. Um, so I would have to uh, go into four different rooms with four different caskets, four <laughs> different people who had died Sorry. and blow out two candles beside each one. Ugh. Turn off the lights and go into the next room.
0: No, Sh- thank you.
1: <laughs> Shut all the lights down in the funeral home and go to the back door waiting for my dad to pick me up so in the dream I'm at that back hall that back office and I have to go to the very front all the way down the hall
0: and the dark hall
1: the dark hall and in my dream it's a dark hall and there are the visitation rooms on on each side there are the back entrances to some of them and at the front of the funeral home is the lobby and then the front door for people to come in. And all I know in the dream is that I have to get to the front to let somebody in the front door, but I haven't got any idea who. I think it's a man. So like, it makes me think, did I think that was my dad? Like I'm waiting for a male. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, remembering that I'm trying to get through my fear. So I felt terror. I never felt that much terror, I think, in real life. But in my dream, it was in, just insurmountable terror. Uh, at the back of the funeral home, and um, it's pitch black, I can't see anything, not even right in front of me in two for two centimeters. And I feel what I would refer to as a hand or pressure (coughs) on my back between my shoulder blades. And all of a sudden, I'm being pushed through from the back of the the um, office, down the long dark corridor pitch black into the lobby. And I am terrified in my dream. When I finally, and it just keeps increasing as, as, as I'm being pushed. When I'm, and I actually don't ever find out what I'm pushed by. Wait. Yeah. Oh, yes, I do. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I do. <laughs> Kelly just rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> so I get pushed to the front of the funeral home. I'm in the front lobby. And all of a sudden, lights go on. But there, the light is so bright and so white that uh, for just a split second, I have a feeling of I'm going to be okay or relief, which comes to an end just as fast. Because when you are in bright light, if you've ever had a white light or bright light shine in your face, it's the very same thing as black, you can't see anything. So I'm in terror again, because equally, whether it was white or black, there's no vision. And now I think it's not lost on me now, that I need my vision to feel safe. When I'm at the front of the lobby, um, all of a sudden I hear, Hi, Karen Ann. And if any, anybody that knows me knows my first name <coughs> is actually Karen Ann, and, um, which my mom and dad gave me at birth. And those are the people that know me from my childhood because I stopped being called Karen Ann. I got called Karen when I hit about grade nine, I guess when you're, you're supposed to be an adult. And, um, it's my, it's my mamare. And I, anybody that knows me knows that I absolutely love my mamare. She lived with us. She was like a second mother to me and that she was a terrific nurturer for me and that she would instill in me confidence, love, and a feeling of safety and security. And so, a little bit of the white mist or white light parts, and I get I see that my mamere is there, and now I can. First of all, so I heard her first, saw her second, and as soon as I heard her voice, I felt calm. Then, when I see her, I'm reassured. Is that your stomach? That's my stomach. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're a mess this morning. <laughs> I haven't had caffeine. Okay. Uh, um. So there's my mamere and then I hear, hi, Karen. Hi, Karen, Ann, how are you? In a deeper voice, and that's my dad. So I should clarify that my, ma- my, my mare and my dad are both dead. And I look at my dad and I go, dad, and I'm so happy to see my father. And again, feeling safe and secure and love and really happy joy. Um, and he says, Hey, how are you? And as he's talking to me, I can see in the, my peripheral, like all behind him or around him in the first circle around me with my mamare and my dad are my aunts and uncles and all of these people that I love that have all died. And I look at him and I think, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing here? And because I'm thinking, why are you here in the middle of my nightmare? Why are you here in the middle of my fear? Why are you here in the middle of everything that's horrible and horrific to me?
0: Can I ask a question, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I know where this is going? Um, Remind me again, is this a repetitive dream for you? No. No, but the walking down the funeral home, the the corridor. Yes. So that part was a repetitive dream.
1: And being in the funeral home and having dead people in caskets chasing me. Right. Or or just dead people walking around, because it was also outside of the dream world. It was also my reality. Right.
0: So elements of this dream were repetitive, but not not verbatim, because you would ask to be done with nightmares. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so my aunts and uncles, my grandparents and my dad are in the first circle around me. And I realize that I'm in the middle of love. In the middle of my terror, I'm in the middle of love. And then I look beyond that. And like on the second and third circles that these spirits have made around me, spirits, or if you want to call them dead people, what, uh, different, you know, whatever your the vocabulary is. Um, are all these people that I recognize um, as people who had died and all these wakes that I had worked at. And so there was a young, I remember a young man when I was in high school in North Bay. There were, I I can't remember, there were like 19 suicides in one year in all these high schools in North Bay. And I remember um, one of the young men who had suicided, I remember another young man who had died by a train accident, who was my age that year, Uh, had been hit in in the head by a train. He was there. And I mean, very distinguishable because he had a big hole in his head, or like a dent, big cave. Um, (coughs) Sorry. I also remember a young girl with red braids, red hair, um, two braids in her hair, that um, had asked me um, when I was in in real life... um, she had died. And she had her spirit had come and asked me to tell her mom that she was okay, and I wouldn't do it. I couldn't, because I'd been told in real life that I wasn't allowed to do stuff like that It would upset people. But she was there in my dream as well. So my dream was filled with circles, like, uh, you know, like I was surrounded by all these circles of the beings that I knew and the beings that I was familiar with that had died, and that had been waked at the McGinty funeral home, and how much sadness I felt when I saw all of the people outside of the circle of my family, but all of the people who had approached me in real life and asked me to give messages to their family to tell them um, that they were okay, that they weren't in pain, or whatever their message was, and that I did not, could not and would not give in real life for whatever reasons that society had told me that I couldn't do that and how I had felt shame in the dream. And I say, I say shame, but more than that, I felt sad. So I do remember feeling shame, like that I had disappointed them, that I had, how could you disappoint a little girl with red braids telling her mom, just wanting her mom to know she was okay. I just remember her the most. Mm. Um, because I think, too, at that time, I was around 13 um, when she had passed away. And she was, you know, maybe she was around six or seven. But, you know, when you're 13 years old, like maybe you're still closely, more closely connected to your inner child uh, in wanting your parents to know that you're you're all right. And the sadness that I felt that I hadn't given those messages. But I also remember how much love I felt from all of them that they did that it wasn't important anymore and that they understood and that they were just there to love me and let me know that that it was okay that they weren't judging me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that they weren't angry with me so was my terror my fear of being judged or my fear of being shamed or being sad or was it like a combination of all of those emotions and I called that the terror mm-hmm. Uh, but actually underneath terror was sadness, grief, um, fear,
0: more heartache and fear heartache. Fear.
1: All of it mixed up and <clears throat> combined in, in, in one emotion we could call terror or, or fear. And that at that point in the dream that I could feel love instead, I could feel how they loved me. And my, my said to me, Karen, uh, this is what you're fearing. It's us, and I said, "No, Mamir, it can't be." I said, "I love you. I, I, I loved. I love Dad. I love uh, Uncle Rainey and Uncle Jean and Uncle Bernard. All the my aunts and uncles and aunts. Oh my God, there's so many French Canadian Irish. <laughs> Two big families from my mum and dad. My mom and dad's families. All these aunts and uncles that absolutely loved me. And I said that can't be. That what I could fear." for 49 years, in reality could be love. But that I have that I couldn't see past my own, my own, my own thoughts of what society had layered on, to just know that underneath all of that, what was actually the truth was love. But that so many layers of what society could teach could mask it so heavily. And I just remember that at that point that I was able to open the door so that I could let that man in from outside. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's really neat um, being able to reflect on that dream now um, because I know most of your processes, just because I've watched you go through all of them in in this journey, um, is when you discovered that it was just family and that every dead person is just someone's mother or father or brother and sister, um, that all of the, the stranger dead people can come through, and you feel safe around them if family is present. And why I find that interesting is because I know when you do your sessions, when you do your actual channeling for people, um, when you get that person's mother or their grandmother your grandmother stands next to them mm-hmm. or your father stands next to them. Mm-hmm. And that's how you, it's your reference system to go, oh, this is your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, or, oh, this is your grandmother. Uh, or even Nock, who, when he walks in, you know, okay, this is a suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, because the people you love have become your reference system to get accuracy Mm-hmm. and your your own safety in order to keep doing your job so the terror doesn't debilitate you like it used to do. Yeah, oh, that's huge, Kelly, because of all of the different types of situations
1: that can come through, whether it's a police department that's calling to find a missing person, and you, <laughs> you and I both know, mm-hmm. we can go into all kinds of fear of, of being wrong, of being inaccurate, of disappointing the family, or putting the police in the wrong place to do a search, meaning they're wasting their time.
0: Pardon? The hand. What about it? You never went back to it. I always have to remind... I feel like a jerk because I always have to remind you to go back to saying who the hand was. I don't remember. It was me. You do this oh every God. time. <laughs> I still remember being in my really early twenties when you were telling me this story oh, or this dream. Good lord, this I dream, forgot again. For God's sakes. And uh, anyway, I remember how much love and how much joy you felt when you were like Kelly. It was you. You were my hand. You and I. Yeah, I feel see, like. The but you see now, I, now I'm feeling it again. Oh, good. I'm feeling the joy again, I'm so glad for you now,
1: I think that's important because I have to say something i I don't know i I forget that every single time, and every time I tell this story, you have to remind me that you were the hand that pushed me um through uh through the funeral home from the back office into the front lobby, and that every time you have to you remind me, I feel like my heart opens again, I feel physically in my body right between my breasts, I literally feel like an unlocking like an opening like a like um uh-huh. a release where there was a squeezing in my heart and if i think of my family history genetics mostly heart issues of people how people die in my in in my ancestry genetics when i think of how important it is for the heart opening um of what love is that you are the one that pushes me forward but if i think about life of who supported me in the most difficult choices I've made in my life um, to to change, to be able to discover who I am and to be able to be who I am and to continue to Mm -hmm. be who I am. Those are all separate things because some people learn who they are and run the opposite way or they try for a little while and because they get beaten up by society, they go back into it. Or people who, who won't even venture out or even poke a hole to be who they are because they're so codependent that someone else constantly by the minute has to define who they are. When I think about all of those steps that I've taken and continue to take, because that's a, that's a conscious choice every single moment of every day, um, that, that firmness of love, that firmness of, I'll call it like that hand on my back, was right through the heart. Because if you put your hand between your shoulder blades, you're gonna come through in that area of the heart area, and that you were holding the heart with love, so that I could get through it. Mm-hmm. And I think of so many people that might say, "Oh, are they ever lucky? I don't have anybody in my life that loves me like that." Maybe I could be different if maybe I could change if if I if I just had somebody that loved me that much. And I think, wow. That is so not the way that it always is. Mm-hmm. So many people do it with nobody that 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 has their back. But then I also think of how many clients come and see us, and we give them that, and they still don't do anything. Mm-hmm. They never even come back for the second appointment, even in spite of the fact that they know that we're here, or a therapist, or their friend.
0: But, yeah, and I, I was going to go more toward the friend because I think some of us think, oh, I don't have someone that loves me that much. The comment that mm-hmm. you had made. And it's like, yeah, some of us do, and we don't allow them. We don't allow them to push us. Mm-hmm. We don't allow them to uh, to make us uncomfortable so that we can grow and change. And you know, someone might say, "Wow, they're lucky as mother and daughter," because I think that that relationship is very much put on a pedestal in our society. Um, if you can, if you can get it right, I'll say, um, but we work tremendously hard at that every day. And I have. I have been the person who has pushed you in a lot of those uncomfortable situations. I go back to the dream that we were talking about in the first part of this, the, this podcast where, um, you know, driving it at night and in another city were both fears that you actually had. Yep. And I was the person who sat in the passenger seat and said, drive Yeah. and look at this line here, are your reference points so that you'll feel confident driving. I was the reason that you traveled on the highway to yes. come see me in Ottawa to get your independence.
1: Well, I should say, too, that I didn't drive on the highway. My husband did when I was married, and I didn't drive at night. And, and in other cities. And in other cities. He did all of the driving. I, Even though I had a license, um, he manned the wheel. And even if I offered, he drove. And uh, I understand that he said he had a love of driving, and I do understand that people do. Yep. But it can take away the other person's independence, um, or and their cre- opportunities. Yes, and there and it can create a fear without it without the intention to create a fear, I'll say, uh, where you lose control over your own life. Mm-hmm. And I had lost that. I wouldn't drive like you said on a highway. I didn't drive um, at night, mm-hmm. thinking that um,
0: well, and so many because I mean it, it is that other person's responsibility to a certain extent um of taking away the opportunities but to to a different extent or at a different point it becomes your responsibility to step in and say, screw it, I'm yes, doing this. that's right. And I mean, I had said to you, please come visit me, please come visit me. You could have still chosen never to. You know, some people don't get on planes. They miss their kids' weddings. They miss all kinds of things because they refuse. Yeah. Um, but I started booking things for us in other cities. Yeah. And I'd hop in the passenger seat, I'd throw you the keys and go, okay, let's go. And it was like, yeah. oh
1: shit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're doing this. Yeah. And we did Toronto. Uh, we do Toronto as well. Um Okay, so continue.
0: Oh, so back on the dreams.
1: Mm-hmm. We we're talking about dreams. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I did it again. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, well, we were talking about your dream, and you were just talking about the love. I don't know if you wanted to add more to that specific one.
1: No, I. I it's just to me, it was a, a really um, significant dream, um, and a different way of looking at dreams. And I guess one of the things too is that it. Well, not. I don't guess. I know. One of the things that it's always taught me from that point on, um, is that there is no spirit to fear mm-hmm. and that a lot of people, um, that I'll say watch TV or whatever might see how media presents, um, uh, spirits that we should fear.
0: Oh, can I, can I jump in with yeah. a really good example? Cause this one makes me laugh so hard every time that you talk about it. Um, when you're talking about fearing a spirit, so one of the things that I think about is all of the torture that we see in our dreams. Oh, so yeah. the, the physical um, grotesqueness of the state of a body, mm-hmm. right, which is pretty much, I think, what people fear more so than the energy. I think anyway. Um, And the first thing that comes to mind is when you started doing all the journeying and you were were really getting these lucid dreams is when you would see Jesus. Oh, yeah. Um, And he would appear to you with that freaking thorn thing on his head and a, blood, white, a white robe full the, of blood and the, yeah the blood running down his forehead and you you turned to him and you were like go clean yourself up oh I remember that it was so mad at him
1: and because it creates distress say eh?
0: yeah and it, yeah it, and and all of the judgments and uh, the hierarchy I think of him being greater than instead of just being a spirit who loves you and is and is here to help you in any way he can um and you, you literally said to him, go clean yourself up. Well, I don't want to see you. Mm-hmm. Put jeans and a t-shirt on. Well, wipe yeah. the blood off your face and come talk to me when you're, when you're good.
1: Yes. Because, I mean, if you really think of it, imagine some guy walking into your house um, or meeting him at a restaurant looking like that. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to actually have a decent conversation with that?
0: Or reaction. Anything. Because it's initial, right? Yeah. You, and that's what happens in the dream is that we see... Something that upsets us, I'll say physically, and that's when we shut down. Yes. So you know, jeans and a t-shirt. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm kind of open to this.
1: Yes. So he did. He came back in jeans and a t-shirt, and for me, I called him Hot Jesus <laughs> because um, what?
0: You called him Black Jesus.
1: <laughs> oh yes, I had a Black Jesus at one point too. Mm-hmm. Um and um yes, I made him <clears throat> an, into a black man, and um I say made him because you know, somebody might say, well, we won't care what people say.
0: Um, it's energy. Yes. You just, and, and really what it was is that you wanted him to take a different form right. that was comfortable, comforting, um, and, and lovely and
1: different than what I had been taught mm-hmm. outside of the boxes. I have to cough. Excuse me
0: now. <coughs> go ahead. I think it's really funny. And this is kind of going to sound really weird as it all comes together, but, I know that you had chosen a black man because some people are like, what the shit's going on right now? <laughs> um, I know that you chose that in your mind because of how much you love to happy dance and yeah. how generally speaking, there's a lot of white men who cannot dance and you wanted that more. Um, I wanted a guy who could really dance. Move his hips and, yes. and shake and feel. Love. Joy. Beautiful in his body. Yes. And so that was why you had chosen that form. Yes. Okay, I'm just yes. clarifying, which I think
1: is so interest, really interesting to me. It's more stereotyping, but I think for me it was also something of, of a reality again that I had only experienced in my life, where for men, me for men who were white skinned were very stiff in their bodies,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that when I had seen
0: and probably an, through a lot of conditioning of culture.
1: Yes, and I'm not blaming them. I'm not saying there's something wrong with them. I'm just saying it was mm-hmm. what I had experienced. Mm-hmm. But I remember... Here when in a, Northern Ontario. That's right. <laughs> and yes, because I mean, yeah, Northern Ontario, very select and very, uh, I'll say, not like our community here in North Bay in 2015, mm-hmm. um, which is far more diverse in cultures. But anyway, I did. I made him a black man so that he could feel his own body, that he could be happy in it. And that he could move it with yeah. a smile on the, his face. The
0: expression and the um, the celebration that you've always seen.
1: Yeah, and, that, and the freedom. So all of those things about movement and energy and joy, um, I I needed to be able to shift outside of perception I had of one particular thing. Which I think really is something that I'm extraordinary at. Mm-hmm. And being able to constantly shift outside of something um instantly just at the at the drop of a hat so that I'm free in my mind that I'm not stuck in particular perceptions that Mm. that I have been given
0: yeah assumptions
1: so and I call that the switchboard so it's like and I that it's one of the ways that I get to term something in, in in visualization for people in that my switchboard is far more vast That it has more tentacles, more ability to move out and grasp grasp something instead of having to be put into one hole over and over again to make a connection, to have a thought or a belief. But that I just don't have that.
0: Yeah, it is. Can we
1: switch? Yeah. Or did you have more? Well, I wanted to say um, about the... um, being able, uh, the thing about negative energies and where uh, people talk about a house clearing, you have to, there's a bad spirit or uh, a scary spirit or a dark one. There's different terms: scary, dark, bad.
0: Yeah, we just did. It. We touched on that with Joe when she was here.
1: Yeah, and and I want to touch on it just briefly again because of that. Because of that dream in understanding, and you said it, but I just wanted to kind of bring it up again, mm-hmm. that every person who's a bad spirit, <coughs> or a negative Sorry. spirit, or one that is dark, or is a horror, or, you know, I, there's all these different terms that that people have now. Um that they are still a spirit. That they still have a family. There is still somebody that, if they're in your house and they're creating, uh, throwing knives or I don't know, all the TV shows, all these different things, but that they're that they're dark or um, creating problems. That they still have a family that loves them. They still have a person that can reach the darkness that they're in in that moment to help them out. Mm-hmm. And for me, in in helping those spirits cross over that are stuck, you have to just, for me, it's finding that right one that comes forward, that connects them back to the feeling of love that they've had at some point. And if they didn't have any love in this lifetime, that you can still go back into a past lifetime and find a person that loved them where they had that feeling of connection. So if somebody says, oh, yeah, you know, um, a mass murder here on earth. Maybe right here in Canada, Paul Bernardo. Um, There's no ability he would ever have to find love. There's no connection. Well, perhaps not in this lifetime, but perhaps in another lifetime. But that there's always a place or a spot in the universe in energy to reconnect. Mm -hmm. And if we don't believe that, then we are sunk as a society because they live on this planet with us. Mm -hmm. This is a hope. This is a ray of hope. And it's a real
0: one. Huh. Go on. No, it's just think, it's making me think about where we can go in different shows with rehabilitation uh, instead of the incarceration.
1: Yes. That's happening. Well, and, and you know, and if <coughs> if anybody in North America has anybody that's incarcerated, they know that it's not rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. They know that it's it's merely to they're there surviving. They have, and if they get out they don't come out with a heck of a lot of skills to be able to cope or to survive or or to to
0: thrive. Um, Okay. I want to shift because this is something um, I had a really good conversation with a a good friend of mine the other day um, about dreams coming out of them and the loneliness that you can feel during the day. Oh yes. Um, Okay. And I know you and I experience this on a regular basis and um, I, I guess I actually really didn't realize that everyone else does to a different degree. Mm -hmm. Um, because I kind of assume that not everyone has the same intensity dreams that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, but that might not be true. So I don't, I'm going to step back from that assumption. Um, so I know you and I, we dream about torture. We dream about a lot of deaths, um, helping people cross, but also, um, helping people work through a lot of their fears um, world events of things that are happening, uh, catastrophes that are coming. So a lot of it, I know people are going to be like, well, this is negative. This is all, you know, terrible things, but our role in all of these dreams is to help is to aid someone or something. And by something, I mean, sometimes that's nature that we're aiding. Um, by, by being submerged in the ocean where we dream that we're drowning, but it's really about the process of what water's doing in the alchemical process. Um, so there's, there's so much intricacy in, in all of these dreams. But when we wake up, <clears throat> pardon me, we're filled with stress because of the human part that's trying to process what just happened, mm-hmm. right? And so you and I are fortunate enough to have created a routine where we have each other to say, can we debrief? And I think you and I are very respectful of going back and forth and saying, okay, I want to make sure that you're done before I launch into my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, but many people don't have that. And so, like I was saying, they can kind of carry the weight of that dream throughout their day. <clears throat> and how disconnected they can feel from other people if they can't converse, if they can't talk about what they've experienced. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I just really want to stress the point of being able to talk about it, because you know, some people might think, well, I have a husband I can do that with, or I have a husband and I can't do that with. So who am I supposed to talk to? Um, and not that I have the answer, but we ne- we all need someone. Mm-hmm. And I think we might not even realize that we need that person mm-hmm. or someone to fill that role, mm-hmm. that that's even a role we need. Right. Uh, Yeah. And
1: and am I allowed to kind of, I want to throw out like that some people keep a dream journal, Mm -hmm. uh, whether they have a partner or someone in their life that they can share it with or not. Mm -hmm. And how um, wonderful, you know, maybe we can do a show on recording things, because I'm always telling my clients to write, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's lists of things that are going to help them through something, or um like the importance of being able to write things down and it's and and to be able to go back and see your growth or see patterns um and how you're supposed to be able to be messy in those books and lots of people don't want to be messy in their journals they want them to be all neat and clean you're looking right at me i I am (laughs) (laughs) i have issues no, actually you don't because you've got a whole set of colored markers and you aren't actually <laughs> writing all over different books and different things. So I see that you've moved past all of that stuff. <laughs> oh, thank you. And, and it's neat because people can do it even if they want to be neat by using different colored pens and different colored markers, colored mm-hmm. post-it notes. Uh, They can still be neat and organized and reference, and it's still wonderful. Or they can put it on their computer and then key in certain words to pull out. I mean, there's just such great ways to do this. And I also want to say that it doesn't have to be word journals. It can be picture journals that people can cut and paste pictures um, and and out of magazines and or stuff, draw or draw or doodle if they're no good, and they think, "Oh, I'm no good." Doodling is fabulous of what it can do for the brain. Um, mandalas,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you could you could color mandalas or create your own. Um, there's so, all kinds of so
0: tools, tools for coping about with uh, with the dreams. Yes. And, and this okay, so <clears throat> this is something I kind of want to talk about, but I also want to thank you for. So I'm I'm going in. I'll say one direction, two ways. (laughs) Um, I know that I wake up a lot uh, from the nightmares, only a wall away from you um, or a room away from you. And the terror that we can wake ourselves up with, um, you know, there's the heavy breathing. You wake up with sweats. You wake up not even really knowing you're in your your own bedroom sometimes. Um, And how when you don't have a partner sleeping in a bed with you, you can feel immense loneliness because there isn't someone to maybe help wake you up um, if they if they hear or see you fidgeting in the dream, trying to, trying to get to that state, um, or to have someone that you can wake up and be awake with you at three in the morning when the rest of the world is sleeping uh, to provide that feeling of safety for you. And I know that I have felt that immense loneliness even though you're in the room next to me, and um, And I I know I want to say it because I think others feel it and might not know why. And might think that they have a loneliness in the bigger picture, even though that their lives are going very well, they're happy with their jobs, they're happy with their relationships. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily that they feel they have to have a partner, but there's this one moment in time when they're waking up from their nightmares where they feel, "I, I need someone Mm -hmm. And the importance of that connection, whether it's to send a text to that, that friend who's, you know, up late, who will always respond and say, it's okay, I love you. Um, It's okay, you're safe. Or like you're saying, the different tools that you can have to get into a journal to wake your dog up. Um, But Mm -hmm. the importance of that connection and creating it for yourselves if you don't already have it.
1: Yeah. Or creating a routine. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if you wake up in the middle of the night to have a routine, if you do, to get up perhaps and um, to really wake yourself. Yeah. Um, To voice record the dream if you want. um, to, to have a voice recorder beside you. I remember for a long time when I was first dreaming about world events all the time that, um, um, I put a pen and like a notepad, uh, on the corner of the bed and a pen, um, so that a clicky pen, so it wouldn't mark my sheets. But anyway, like just, um, so that I could wake up in the middle of the night and scribble a couple of words down because i thought oh i'm going to wake up and i'll remember this and i never would
0: well no because you fall into another dream
1: yes and it 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 was difficult to wake up and remember series of dreams until until i started training myself by writing and by journaling and by doing all of that recalling by debriefing that now it's more and more accurate and there's more and more details uh, remembering sequence of events remembering dreams within dreams remembering five dreams in one night and being able to recall the details because now I have to it's what I do but that you can't it's all about the training and it's about having the right tools to be able to do it some people will say oh I don't dream and I say yes you do everybody dreams and science might say no that's not true we have REM sleep we have this we have that and all I know is from the spirit world yes they do science will catch up however um The recall is something that people can um, reconnect with. It is training. You can even train yourself how to fall asleep and how to wake up and to come through all of the layers so that you can wake up gradually and keep your memories and know that you're floating and coming into your body and how to find your body. This is all doable and lots of people do it.
0: Okay. Um, I know we're kind of going back and forth here. And you're talking about being able to have great recall of your dreams. And Mm -hmm. I'll say I'm someone who does. Mm -hmm. I do have fantastic recall. And you know I always have. That's not always fun. Mm
1: -hmm. Some people
0: are like, well, screw it. I don't want to. They're talking about remembering torture and remembering all different kinds of things. I don't want that. Um, And I kind of wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, when you stay attached to the emotion of the dream and you don't have someone to debrief with, there's a feeling of not wanting to wake up. There's that feeling of not wanting to be on Earth. Mm-hmm. And especially if you don't have someone, like I was saying, to wake up to um, the despair and the disconnection that you can feel from this earth. And when I was saying that I wanted to thank you, you know, you're you're talking and wanting to teach people about having different tools. And I, I want to thank you for being one of my tools mm-hmm. because, <clears throat> pardon me, there's so many nights or so many mornings, both where I've woken up and not wanted to be here um, and just wish that it, it was just kind of over. And I have that too. I know. I know, and I know so many people do. And I know that it's not always easy to talk about because people label you as suicidal, and it's like, no, that's that's not the issue. Mm-hmm. It's not that I would take my own life. It's that I'd just be okay if it was over. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, this is a hard planet to be on. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> I just want. I want to thank you because. You're someone who literally holds me in this life. I pick up my pillow still at 27 and walk into your room and say I had a nightmare. (laughs) And I have no problem admitting that because I think what I go through and what you go through is tremendous. And that you need to be able to be vulnerable and say I need help. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, sometimes it makes me feel like a kid still being in the house I grew up in and wandering into my mom's room saying I had a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, But you are someone who holds me. And tells me that it's okay and reminds me that I do want to be here. And you also metaphysically hold me here, you know, while I'm out there discovering other realities. And so it's, it's that tether or that, ether, um, the, the cord, what's it Etheric? Thank you. That keeps me coming back. Mm-hmm. That no matter how far out I wander into the different realities of the different worlds, I find that cord and I find my way back to you. And mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to say thank you because I know some people, uh, you know, will say they might never find their partner or they're figuring out that it's their brother or their sister that does this for them. Um, and I don't think we really know how to put into words how to thank people for that, that we can wake up from a dream and just be thankful there's someone here for us. You're welcome. Um, yeah. I I really mean that. I know you know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways. I know.
1: Fortunately.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I think too that because we have that, we're able to be that that security and that safety for a lot of people
0: mm-hmm.
1: who um, need help with the dreams. Whether and and, and something I'm learning is that it, there's no age. This no this this conversation we're having isn't relative just to an adult. It's relative to a child, a newborn. Um, it's relative to every single age all through life. Mm-hmm. We watch newborns have nightmares. We we and how do we explain all of that if you have a two month two day old and think that they don't have enough life experience yet to be afraid of anything?
0: Well, they wake up in this world. <laughs> I'd cry too. Yet yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all do. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I think it's uh, something else I wanted to say too about waking up and not having a person to share it with. um, That. One of the things that I found really helped me was nature, and 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 uh, trees, and being able to um, look at them, or not always be out for a walk because I wasn't always a person who had to get out into the bush and go for a walk to feel grounded. I just needed to see a tree in my backyard or out the car window for a drive, and I could get, I could feel better and more solid and release and let go of anxiety or fear. Um, or any sadness, but that nature helped me with that water helped me tremendously. Lake Nipsing, just sitting by the lake, that allowed me at the waterfront or wherever the flowers there. And um, thank God we have gardeners, the heritage gardeners in the city that created us a place for people to go where we could connect to nature. But every city, no matter where we are, we can find it in, 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 in nature anywhere around us. And I think
0: for some people who are like, well, why, why nature? Um, for me, it's the thing that slows you down. And we don't, we're not allowed to slow down in this, in this culture right now. Mm -hmm. So when you do sit by the lake on your lunch break, there's something slow and peaceful about the movement of the water, the, the movement of the clouds, um, the sound of the breeze, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's so much about nature that just takes its time. And we don't take our time. So if we do wake up and we're not debriefing and we're not reflecting, you know, even if it's hours later, when you sit in nature of of some kind or look out at it, Mm -hmm. it does, it forces your mind to slow to its pace.
1: Mm -hmm. Something that sometimes another person doesn't give you because you might want to share your dream with somebody else but if they're not asking the right questions or they're not oh, silent yes or and then they're not your, they're not in the right space to be able to help you they make it all about themselves or whatever sometimes um where where we go for that if it's human uh we don't get what we need sometimes it makes us just all the more worse mm-hmm. um and that's why i suggested the journaling And in in different ways, um, or voice recording where you just say it onto a voice recorder and and you can listen to it yourself afterwards, because then you're playing it for yourself. You're sharing it with your own spirit um, or nature. Those just different ways where I'll say it stays more in its purest form, as opposed to when you share it with somebody else, unless they really know how to be able to help you with it or they really if they don't know but just have the right energy the right intention um, uh, of just being there for you and asking you what you need if they're good communicators because people who are not good communicators but still have a good intention can screw it up too Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay so do we want to talk more about dreams or are we good I'm, I'm good. I can always talk more though. Okay. Well, let's let it go for now and uh, we'll come back
0: and we'll do more podcasts on dreams. Sure. Okay. So then we'll put it out there again for people who have questions, um, maybe stimulated by something you heard today or something that was left out. Uh, you can email us at info at dot com. Thank you.